Well, good morning. God is good. And all the time. Amen. What is a joy to be here this morning, as many of you heard and got the email from me yesterday. If you didn't get the email from me yesterday, then you can go and uh, sign up for that in the back at the visitor's table. But Brother SL uh, on our staff passed away on Saturday morning, um, early Saturday morning. I got a phone call about 2 a.m. and Um, We need to be praying for his family, especially his two daughters. During this time, as soon as we know any arrangements, I will let you know. Um, We should know something by tomorrow evening, hopefully, of the time and when everything will take place. And then on top of that, I also want to share, many of you remember Miss Faye Moeller. Um, She also went home to be with the Lord this morning. Um, She has been dealing with... uh, fighting a, a battle of cancer the last couple of days, and she, I knew her as Mama Faye. And so if you hear me say Mama Faye, I'm talking about Miss Faye Muller. Um, my heart is broken uh, over that and, I, and for Brother SL. And so be praying for the whole body of Christ and for the families um, as Miss Faye's uh, celebration of life will also be here in Mobile, uh, here at Luke 418 Fellowship. And so Uh, This week, we'll have the opportunity to celebrate the life of two amazing people, but also praise God that they are with Him for all eternity. I do have a few announcements for you. Um, We are in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We have one more week, January 28th, uh, which is next Sunday. We will finish with taking the Lord's Supper together. Um, And then after that, we will have a time outside uh, having dinner on the grounds or lunch on the grounds, whatever you want to call it. We'll have some food trucks here that you can uh, pick up food from. Here's all the spots. Taco Spot, Burger Box, uh, Man That's Good Barbecue, and then there is an ice cream or creamery truck that will be here as well. I have shared with you that it's weather permitting so far right now. They're saying that all the rain's going to finish up on Saturday night and Sunday's going to be 62 and partly cloudy. So I praise God. I'm just hoping that stays. We're going to ask the Lord. Amen. We're going to ask the Lord to uh, allow that to uh, continue and maybe even the weather could come back, come through even sooner. Um, but be, be a part of that next Sunday. It's going to be an opportunity for us to spend time together. And then afterwards, we're going to walk the property and pray over it and just ask the Lord to continue to give us guidance and direction. Also, on March 17th, that's a Sunday, we will have Chosen Roads here, Chosen Road here uh, at Luke 418. They'll be leading us in worship on Sunday morning. And then that evening, there's going to be a night of worship uh, with Chosen Road. They are a bluegrass band. Um, but as I share with many of you, they also do both um, older, newer. It's just a great blend of music, and I really enjoyed them when I got to hear and also meet them um, just this past December. And I will tell you that what encouraged me the most about Chosen Road was their heart and their heart for the Lord and serving the Lord. And so they're going to be here. There's no tickets required. You can invite 50 of your closest friends, as Brother Aaron says. And uh, the only thing, we will have a love offering uh, during that time. 
So also we have our disaster relief training for the uh, Mobile Baptist. That's coming up February 15th to the 17th at Tillman's Corner Baptist Church. If you are interested, you can sign up at the Go table. We've got about 30 people here who have been trained. We'd love to have more that would be trained that they could go and serve whenever the time is needed. Training courses are chaplaincy, chainsaw, cleanup recovery, administration, mass feeding, and laundry, and shower. You may say, David, uh, does this really help? And absolutely, just this past week in the cold, uh, there was a place that housed a lot of people that were, whether homeless or whether they just didn't have the access to heat. And so they took the... uh, shower trailer over there and they help people uh, with with that and, and, and just help with the need. And later that night, I got a report that there was over 50 people who prayed to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we rejoice in what God is doing. Also, real quickly, we have a team going to South Asia uh, in just a few weeks, you can fill out an encouragement card, be a part of the journey with them. There's a mailbox at the go table. You can pick up uh, one of these forms that shows their picture, and you can write a note of encouragement while they're there. They will have those. Love for you to be a part of that. And then last, our Alaskan partner, uh, Pastor Tracy, he is coming with his wife, uh, Karen. They will be here uh, March 10th and through the 13th. He'll be preaching on March 10th here. While they are here, we are in need of one vehicle. So if somebody has an extra vehicle, we'd love for uh, them to be able to use that. Um, Please let Brother Randy know if you have an extra vehicle that they could use for those three, possibly four days at the most. Let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer as we begin. Father, you are a good, good father. And Lord, as we come into this place, our hearts are heavy as we, Lord, are just shocked at the unexpected uh, passing of Brother S.L. But Father, in the midst of our hearts being heavy, we also rejoice that he is with you for all eternity. It's in these moments that we realize how amazing your grace is. That we realize how powerful the blood is. That we realize that, that for those who believe and trust in you as Lord and Savior, that they shall have eternal life with you. And so, Lord, as Paul said, we don't mourn as those with no hope. But we have hope to know for sure, to have an expectant waiting upon. Father, I pray that you would comfort all of our hearts. Now, Father, I do pray today that as we open your word, that you would speak in and through, Lord, that it would be your Holy Spirit that goes forth to illuminate the pages. And, Lord, that we would walk in obedience of your truth. Now, Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. For it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being here and worshiping with us today. Uh, If you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you're here. If you would take the welcome card that's in the seat back pocket right in front of you, fill that out, put it in one of those boxes in the back of the room that uh, has tithes and offerings on it. We'll give you a little bit more information about Luke 418 Fellowship. Uh, We do sing and we do have hope, and that hope is in Jesus. Amen? Why don't you stand and greet those around you as we begin to sing. Sing to the King who's coming to reign, giving glory to Jesus. Sing to the King who 
with a price and that we have been redeemed and it's not our righteousness on display but his righteousness let's sing together redeem redeemed how i love to proclaim it redeemed by the blood of the lamb redeemed by his infinite mercy his child and forever i am sing it church So happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of His presence with me doth continually dwell. 
forever but he is also our savior forever let's sing right here my jesus my savior my jesus my savior lord there is none like you all of my days i want to praise the wonders of
Amen. You may be seated as we continue in worship today. We've been talking about spiritual disciplines and how we have these uh, boundaries that are set up, not for just to close us in, but he gives us the way and the truth so that we can be free. Amen. I pray today that we would not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge him because he's going to be the one to make our path straight. Amen. Let's sing this together. Be thou my vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be that we would know that perfect will that you have for our lives, that we would see 
that you have given us everything we need for life and for godliness. You sent us that blessed Son of God, Jesus Christ, to be our sacrifice. There was no way that we could get back to you, but you made a way where there seemed to be no way, Lord. We pray that you would have your way in us today, that we would love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and love our neighbor as our self, Lord. And we pray that we would not just love those that love us, but that we would love our enemies as well. We pray today that we would come to you with every situation, Lord, that we would not hide anything from you or think that things are too little for you to to deal with and to process and to speak into, Lord. We pray that we would listen to your Holy Spirit today pray that we would discipline ourselves to godliness, Lord, so that when people see us, they don't see us, but they see you and your blessed Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Oh, my God. 
You know, I say this every week, but that was amazing. I think I also say every week, I don't even know why I'm teaching after that. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, open up to 2 Timothy. And that's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, which we were in last week. I told you that we're going to be in spiritual disciplines for the next several weeks. Uh, one of the things that I shared last week with you was the book Spiritual Disciplines uh, for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. Some of you have reached out and asked uh, about that book. I, I, a lot of the message and at least the uh, structure of the message was just from this book being so heavy on my heart. And so you will see some of that today if you are reading through that book with us uh, during that time. But last week we talked about the purpose of disciplines, or the purpose of discipleship, the purpose of growth. Now, the main purpose is seen right here in verse 7 and 8. Let's read it here together. It says this, it says, Have nothing to do with worldly fables fit for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, you speak to us and you reveal yourself to us in so many ways, as we discussed last week. But Lord, when it comes to discipline, we have a role to play in this. We're called to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And we know that it's only by your strength, it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we would grow. It is a gift. Growth is a gift from you. Now, Father, I pray today that we would see these disciplines not as burdensome, not as uh, trying to hold us back, but disciplines in our life that allow us to be in a place of growth that we may look more like your son at the end of the day than at the beginning. Father, I pray that you would just illuminate the pages today and Lord, speak to each of us, including myself, for it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. The first thing that we saw last week, and I think that we have to keep this in mind throughout this whole uh, short series, is that the purpose of discipline is for godliness. It says in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Last week we looked at that and we saw that this is Christ-likeness. Now, how do we do this? We talked about how we grow in many different ways. We grow through uh, personal interaction with people. We, we grow through our circumstances and our situations. We uh, grow uh, corporately as the body of Christ. But then when it comes to disciplining ourselves, we have an active role to play in that. And the purpose of all the disciplines, all the spiritual disciplines must be for godliness. It must be a desire to grow. Now, last week we looked uh, specifically at the discipline of the Word of God, disciplining yourself in God's Word. 
We talked about four major areas of that. One is hearing God's word. That's what we are doing here. I'm going to be speaking God's word that you would hear his word. Then we talked about studying or being in God's word, opening up daily and allowing it to pour over and wash over us. I think it's very important for you to hear today that it is for all of us to be in God's word daily. Sometimes people will say, well, I get God's word when the pastor preaches on Sunday or when the pastor preaches on Wednesday. I'm here to tell you that we're all a holy priesthood and God has called all of us to be students of his word. Every one of us, we are without excuse. And even to say this, that if you're not in God's word, then how do you know that what the person is speaking from the pulpit is true? Just think about that for a moment. Somebody could easily say, well, Brother David said this, so it must be true. Listen, if you're relying on me, I'm going to fail you. You must rely on God's holy word. So we need to hear God's word. We need to study or be in God's word. And we also recognize that we need to memorize God's word. Right? We need to to memorize it. Last week I gave you all a challenge to memorize Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And I told you to memorize that in the New King James Version. The only reason I said that was because that's what Brother Fred spoke so many times that for some of you, if you tried to memorize it in the NASB or if you tried to memorize it in the King James, you're going to be like, I'm really confused right now about how all this is is going together. And so I, I hope that you took that seriously. I hope that you took time in memorizing it. For me, I had most of it memorized, but the problem was, is all the different things that it says, I kept getting them mixed up. Anybody else have that problem? So what I had to do, I don't know if you can put the New King James awesome, look at that. So what I had to do was I had to say, okay, it's to preach, to proclaim, to set. And then once I knew that in my mind, to preach, to proclaim, to set, I was able to keep them in order. That it is to preach the gospel to the poor. That he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim, right? To preach, to proclaim um, the... Oh, look, see, now I've got it messed up. Uh, To proclaim liberty to the captives and give sight to... Or recover sight to the blind. And then to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So we need to to look at ways that we can memorize these passages. And sometimes we just have to break it down. To preach, to proclaim, to set. And then I love verse 19. Some of y'all have memorized verse 19 as well. Where it says to proclaim the favorable or acceptable year of the Lord. The, The New King James says acceptable. The NASB says the favorable year of the Lord. I pray that you took that seriously, and if you didn't, this, is in the, this week, let's, let's work and, 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 and dedicate ourselves to memorizing Scripture. And somebody told me today, they said, David, I, I memorized it at one time, but I just haven't reviewed it, and so now I don't quite remember it. So what did I say last week in disciplining in the Word? We need to review, 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 review. So be reviewing it. I reviewed multiple times throughout the week, and I still had a moment standing in front of all of y'all where my mind just went blank. The last thing we talked about being in God's Word is that we need to meditate on God's Word. Remember that the whole understanding of memorization 
also kind of goes into the idea of meditation, focusing on it. Now, let me just say, if we're not doing this for the purpose of godliness, all we're doing is retaining information. We're called to meditate and memorize for the purpose of godliness. Today, we're going to jump into what, what I'm the, the next discipline. I'm not going to go through all the different spiritual disciplines, but for the next couple of weeks, we're going to go through some of them. And today, we're going to look at the to discipline yourself in prayer. Discipline yourself in prayer. Last week, discipline yourself in God's Word. This week, discipline yourself in or to prayer. The first thing I want us to look at is, is what many people call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. Now, for me personally, I don't believe that this is the Lord's Prayer. I know some of y'all are like, whoa, hold up. This is the model prayer. If you want the Lord's Prayer, if you want Jesus' prayer, go to John 17. All right? And this is Jesus praying for you and for me to the Father. But in Matthew 6, we get what we call the Lord's, uh, many people call the Lord's Prayer. Now, what I want us to notice first in verse 5, 6, and 7 is that there is a phrase that's said multiple times. Jesus says, when you pray. Go to verse 6 for me. It says this, but when you pray. And then go to verse 7 for me. And when you are praying. The first thing that I want us to understand about the discipline of prayer is that it's not if, but when. This is not simply something, well, you know, it's only for the pastors to be in prayer and all the spiritual like elites and the people who are really just solid in their walk. Those are the ones that are supposed to be praying. Listen, church, there is no elite in uh, the, when you look at all of us together. We are all a work under construction, and God is calling all of us to be in prayer. Not only does he say multiple times in Matthew 6, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, but we also see from the epistles later in Colossians 4, 2, it says, devote yourself to prayer. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. One of those that you have memorized, right? Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So we recognize that first off, prayer is not, uh, you know, it's not a if you pray, it's a when you pray. We are called to pray and we are called to have a constant communion, communion uh, or, or constant uh, relationship of, of speaking to the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, that we are called to pray without ceasing. But we also see in this that the Lord teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to pray. The reason that we know this, first off, in Matthew 6, we have what we call the Lord's Prayer that we're going to look at in just a moment. But in Luke 11, verses 1 and on, right before Luke kind of gives the, the same as in Matthew 6, the disciples say to Jesus, Jesus... Teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And then when you go through Luke 11, you see portions of the model prayer that is also written in Matthew chapter 6. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone 
who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. This is important that Jesus teaches us how to pray. So when we look at what many people will quote, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? Many of us learned this as a kid. We can recite it very traditionally, can't we? I remember when I was in uh, band in high school, uh, right before we went out onto the field, our band director would say, let us pray. And he would start by saying, our Father who art in heaven. And then guess what? Everybody knew it. And they started praying it. Everybody started to, to, to recite this prayer. But I can guarantee you that 95% of them had no real understanding of what they were speaking. They were just saying the words that they had memorized. See, Jesus is actually giving us a model of prayer here. He's telling us, he's teaching us how to pray. And so what is this model of prayer? If we're going to discipline ourselves to prayer for the purpose of godliness, then, then let's look at this. First, we see a proper view of God in this prayer. Hallowed be your name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing Jesus does is he properly addresses God as Father, and he says, holy are you, hallowed be your name. Do you remember what I shared with you that on the very first Sunday of January, a proper view of God will lead us to a proper response? What is Jesus doing here? First, he's saying, Father, you are holy. How often do we start our time of prayer by recognizing who God is? Now, I want you to understand, Jesus is telling us also to say this, our Father, to call him Father. Now, for those in this room who are born again, those who have received Christ as their Lord and Savior, those who have submitted to the Lordship of Christ, then we can call Him Father. Why? Because we have been adopted. We have been transformed. We were once in uh, the enemy's camp, and He has, through the blood of Jesus, received us because of what Christ has done, adopted us, and called us children of God. So we see here this proper view. First, he's father. He's holy. He's set apart. Remember last week, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that's in our English language. We don't even scratch the surface of his holiness. How often do we just rush into prayer? God, I need this, I need that, I need this. God, this is what's going on in my heart. I need this. How often do we fall on our face and say, you are holy? You're holy. Then the second thing that we see Jesus say in this model prayer teaching us to pray is to pray that God's will will be done. As we know in in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, not just on earth, but as it is in heaven. Do we pray for God's will to be done in your life? Do you desire and long for God's will to be done in your life, or do you want your will and your ways? Let me just remind you that Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us that God's will is good, 
acceptable, and perfect. God has a perfect plan for you and for me. Do you trust that? I was just sitting here thinking when they were singing the song up here that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you, do you grasp what we're saying? Because if Jesus truly is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and God loves us so much that he allowed his son to die on the cross that we could be set free, then we can trust him in all other aspects of our life. We can trust him in the circumstances that we're walking. We can trust him that his will is good and acceptable and perfect and right. We can trust God and say, your will, your ways are better than my ways. Your thoughts are greater than my thoughts. And so God, I may not understand. I may even try to drag my feet. But Father, I pray, Lord, that your will be done in my life, not my own ideas and thoughts. Now the scripture does tell us that God will give us the desires of our heart. But what we have to recognize is that Those desires will come in relationship to his desires for us when we submit and surrender to him. When we seek him. In his model prayer, he says, you need to have a proper view of God, an adoration, acknowledgement of Father and holy. He is holy. That we're to pray that God's will be done. But then he says this, give us our daily Bread, or give this day our daily bread. The next thing that we see in this model prayer is that we need to pray that God would give us our daily bread, that He is sustainer of our life. Let me just be very clear this is not our wants, this is our daily needs. Give us our needs, give us our daily bread. And can I tell you that this goes hand in hand in my heart, it goes hand in hand. With the fact that he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. He's given us what we need every day. It's his breath, his word. Which goes back then again to memorizing and meditating and intaking of God's word. Then we see him say something that's pretty strong in this passage that says, forgive us. Forgive us our debts. How often do we start prayer by acknowledging who God is? Asking for his will to be done. Asking for him to sustain us today and to forgive us. Can I tell you that in Isaiah 6, we don't even see Isaiah address God until after he had fallen on his face in his holiness, after he had been touched by the the, the coal from the seraphim. Uh, And at that moment, when that cleansing took place, then he addressed him only to say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Are we seeking the forgiveness I love what 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'll never forget what Brother Fred said one day. I was a kid. This was at Cottage Hill Baptist Church. And you got to understand, Brother Fred left Cottage Hill before I was in the youth ministry. So I was young. I was young. And I remember him saying, 
I'm so thankful that the Lord doesn't show me all my faults at one time. He said, if the Lord opened my chest and showed my heart in all the sinfulness that I don't even see at one time, I could not handle it. So you say, David, I don't have anything to ask the Lord for forgiveness for. Let me just tell you, there's a lot that we don't even see. Brother Fred said, I would not survive if God showed me all of it at one time. Which is also what I say, we're a work under construction. But church, praise God, he says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. Not just forgive, but cleanse us. Church, this is important. You say, but, but, but you know, I'm, I, I don't want to say all this to God because I'm embarrassed. God already knows everything. He already knows it all. As a kid, if you knew that what your parents knew, you would have confessed a lot more, wouldn't you? I love, and it happens all the time where the, the parent asks the kids, did you get into the juice? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Did you get into the juice? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Then what's that red mustache on you? If we knew what our parents knew as kids, we would have confessed a whole lot more. Church, I'm here to tell you, God knows everything about you. But then Jesus says, don't only ask the Lord for forgiveness, but we're called to forgive others. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive each other. We're called in this model prayer to also be forgiving towards others. I think that the reason why Jesus puts this in the model prayer is because we need the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in forgiveness of others. Think about that for a moment. In my own flesh, I have zero desire to forgive somebody because they wronged me. But when I take the view of what Jesus did for me and that there was no way that I could do anything to deserve salvation and that he forgave me of a death penalty, then the Holy Spirit brings about that strength in my heart to forgive others. Ephesians 4, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also forgave or has forgiven you. Church, this is this model prayer by Jesus. If we're going to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, then we need to follow that which the Lord has laid out for us when his disciples said, teach us to pray. And then he goes on, he says, pray this way. Also, lead us from temptation. Do not lead us into temptation. Church, this is a prayer of protection. This is a, a prayer of asking the Lord to, to lead us away from these things that, that so easily entangle us. Lead us, protect us, guide us, direct us. Do you really want God to lead you today? Which really goes back to do you really want God to lead you in his will today? And then I love how Jesus closes out this prayer. And he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We go from this proper view of God back to a proper view of God. 
holy, 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 for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Church, Jesus teaches us to pray by giving us a model prayer. It's not something for us just to recite all the time and think that we've prayed. It's to give us guidelines. It's to give us uh, an outline of prayer. But then in Luke chapter 11, if you remember, I told you in Luke 11, it has pieces of this model prayer in it. And the disciples said, teach us to pray. After Jesus speaks those in Luke 11 verse 5 and on, Jesus gives a parable. And he says, let me share this parable with you. And he begins to talk about how somebody was in need. And because of their persistence, they finally received what was in need. And Jesus, ultimately in this parable in Luke chapter 5 to, I think it's verse 13, he tells us that we are called to ask, to seek, to knock. And he calls us to be persistent in prayer. Let's go back. What did God tell us to do? Pray without ceasing. Not if, but when you pray. Pray without ceasing. Church, God is calling us to be persistent in prayer. Persistent. Continual. So what else does the scripture tell us about prayer in this discipline? The scripture also tells us to allow the Holy Spirit to be a part of that prayer. I love what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 26 and 27. It says, in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Church, disciplining yourself for prayer is more than just saying, okay, I need this, I need this, I need this. Oh Lord, I'm about to take a test and uh, help me. Somebody told me one time, they said, you'll never get prayer out of school as long as there's tests in school. A lot of truth to that. But church, God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And as we seek God, the Spirit of God will show us even how to pray when we don't know how we should. There's been times where I've literally been in prayer and I said, Father, I don't know how to speak this. My heart's so heavy. I don't even know how to say this. I don't even know how I'm supposed to pray about this situation or that situation. And so, Holy Spirit, guide my tongue as I speak. Now, sometimes people will look at this and simply uh, go straight to this idea of speaking in tongues. But for me, whenever I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit to pray and give me the words, it's always been in English. I only say that to say that I don't want you to over-spiritualize this and say that unless I have some type of experience, then, then this isn't happening. God has given me the exact words to speak and to pray over someone without knowing what they're going through in my own mind because God knows. And they said to me, how did you know that? I said, I don't know that. That's the Holy Spirit praying in and through for you. If we're going to discipline ourselves for prayer, then we must find the time to pray. We need to ask the Holy Spirit. We need to walk according to the model that God has given us. But we need to find that time to pray. And so let me give you some practical things that, that you can do in your prayer life. One, you can pray scripture. 
you can pray scripture. I love this. How many of you think about praying some of the prayers of Paul? I've said it multiple times. Ephesians 1, 18 through 21, one of my favorite prayers to pray over the body of Christ. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you and I will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance to the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Have you ever thought about praying scripture over your life and others? Father, enlighten my heart to know. To know what is the hope of your calling, the riches of your glory. What is the surpassing greatness of your power? How many of you want to have even more of an understanding of the surpassing greatness of God's power? Paul's praying that for the Ephesian saints. There's many other prayers of Paul that I could go to, but I'll let you search that out on your own. You can also pray scripture for topical needs. Think about this. Maybe you're struggling with your thought life. You know, as Brother Fred always said, that our, our, our head is like a runway, right? And there's thoughts that are flying around us at all times. And you don't have to let them land on the runway, Right? It can be just like when you're flying to Atlanta and you have to circle 25 times, right? But couldn't you pray Philippians 4.8 over your life and others? Father, your word says whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever of good is of good repute, if there is any excellence And if anything worthy of praise, may my mind dwell on these things. You say, David, I'm struggling with fear. Well, why don't you pray Psalm 56, 3 and 4? When I was a kid, this was one that I memorized. When I am afraid, in the King James it says, I will trust in thee. The NASB, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And look at what verse 4 says. In God whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not fear. What can mere man do to me? You say, David, I've been struggling with fear. Well, fall on your face and cry out to God. When you say, Lord, give me this day, my daily bread. Father, your word says, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. Maybe you're struggling with worry. You can pray Matthew 6, 25 through 34 over your heart and over your life. Many of you know that this is the passage where it talks about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And if God takes care of the birds and if God takes care of the flowers, how much more will he take care of you? 
And what does it say at the very end? It says, don't worry. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow cares for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is where I get that whole idea of don't worry till you see a skinny bird. Because God feeds the birds of the air. And if God feeds the bird of the air, how much more does he care about us? Church, we've got to schedule the time. We've got to allow scripture reading and meditation to lead us into a time of prayer. We need to put reminders around for us, like maybe in your car. Maybe on your your mirror. I used to take those dry erase markers. Y'all remember? Y'all know those? And I used to write on my mirror in my bathroom. Different prayer requests, different things. It does come off, believe it or not. Don't use the permanent one. You'll be praying for that for a long time. Another way to discipline ourselves is to stop and pray in the moment. This morning, two different people shared something with me, and immediately I said, let's pray. How many of you said, I'll pray for that, and then five years later, they were like, oh, I forgot to pray for that. Stop and pray in that moment for the person that's asking, because we are prone to forget. We can journal our prayers. When you journal your prayers, you're also able to journal the answers. Can I tell you that you could probably, I wouldn't say probably, every one of us who's a believer in Christ, who's been walking with the Lord for probably longer than a year, could probably write books after books after books of how God's provision in your life and how he answered prayer. But when we don't journal those, you know what happens when we're having to wait on an answer? Lord, you ever going to answer? I'm impatient right now. But when you have that journal to look back at how faithful God is, and not just faithful in giving you the answer that you want, but faithful in giving you the answer that is good and right and perfect. Church, there was times, and and I've told you all this before, but there was times where I truly believed that Garth Brooks' song, Unanswered Prayer, was like the story of my life. And what does he say? I thank God for unanswered prayer. The reality of it is, is that God did answer prayer, It's just Garth Brooks thought that he answered it in a way that was he didn't answer because he didn't give him what he wanted, right? But the reality of it is is that God protects us from things. And sometimes he says no to things for a purpose, for a reason. Sometimes he tells us to wait. Church, will we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness in prayer? The next discipline that I want to talk about and I'll, I'll share quickly, and that is the discipline yourself to fast. I think it's very interesting and I think it's a point that we must understand that Jesus practiced fasting and taught about fasting. Matthew chapter 4, we see that Jesus fasts for 40 days in the wilderness. And then we see in Matthew 6, Jesus speaking about fasting. And it's just like prayer. Here's that word again, or that phrase. In Matthew 6, verse 16, Whenever you fast. What about verse 17? But you, when you fast. This is not a if, but a when. When we fast. So often in our life, fasting gets pushed to the side as for the super spiritual. People will say, well, I don't understand fasting. I don't get it. I'm just not spiritual enough. Can I tell you, Jesus has called us to practice the discipline of fasting. 
Jesus even said, when, when people were saying, why aren't your disciples fasting? And he said, because right now I'm with them. But there's coming a day I won't be with them, and then they'll fast. News, uh, news alert, that's now. That's now. So we're called to fast. Now I want to give you a few, just an overview about fasting. All throughout scripture it speaks of food. Obviously you can fast by removing other things in your life, but we must understand that when we are talking about this biblical fast, we're talking about food. Now some people will remove things in their life for the purpose of godliness, and that is awesome and we need to do that but when we are talking here about fasting it's talking about food but it must be for the purpose of godliness otherwise it's a diet or you'll simply just count down the time okay i can eat in three minutes oh i can't wait the hunger pains are there to remind us to pray and to seek God's face. The hunger pains are there to remind us that he is our sustainer. Now, let me just tell you, there may be people in this room that can't fast medically. I get that, and God knows that better than I do and you do. Which is why I always tell people, I can present a fast for the church, but God's got to show you how and what to do. I'm not your Holy Spirit to tell you to fast this way or that way. That's what God does. So what are different types of fasts that we see in Scripture? Well, there's the fast that Jesus did, which I just call the normal fast. And that was no food. But obviously there would have been water. There's a partial fast that we see in Daniel 1, which is a type of food. Or as Daniel said, I will not partake of the kingly meal, though he ate vegetables. There's a total fast, which is no food, no water, which we see in Esther. Where she says in Esther 4, verse 6, Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days. So who's called to fast? Well, there's the individual. Can I tell you, you don't just fast whenever the pastor says, hey, we're having 21 days of prayer and fasting. The individual is called to fast. But then there's the church-wide fast, which is Joel 2 or Esther. In Joel chapter 2, there was a call to the church, to the body, to the believers. Hey, we need a fast of repentance. There was this call in Esther, hey, call the Jews and we're going to fast. But then we also see in Scripture a nationwide fast. Think about in the book of Jonah and Nineveh. What happened? But in Nineveh, we see this understanding that, that they recognized their sin and, and they called a nationwide fast. Can I tell you that there was three different presidents in America who has called a national fast? Three different presidents have called a national fast. One of which, and I have his, his declaration here, Abraham Lincoln where it, whereas when our own beloved country, once by the blessing of God, united, prosperous, and happy, is now afflicted with the faction and civil war, it is peculiarly fit for us to recognize the hand of God in this terrible visitation. And in sorrowful remembrance of our own faults and crimes as a nation and as individuals to humble ourselves before him and to pray for his mercy, to pray that we may be spared further punishment. 
though most justly deserved. And then he says this, Therefore I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, do appoint the last Thursday of September next as a day of humiliation, prayer, and fasting for all the people of the nation. Three different presidents called the nation to a fast. So we see who fast. We see what fasting is. But can I tell you, as I mentioned earlier, there has to be a reason for fasting. The main purpose of fasting is for godliness. But then there's these sub-points of fasting. For prayer and for guidance. John Calvin says this, Whenever men are to pray to God concerning any great matter, it would be expedient to appoint fasting along with prayer. Ezra chapter 8, we see Ezra calling the people to a prayer and fasting. And it says, So we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter, and he listened to our entry. Acts chapter 14, verse 23, when they were seeking guidance, and as they were preparing to uh, uh, appoint the elders, it says that they prayed and they fasted. And church When we fall on our face and cry out to God, and as we're seeking guidance and direction, I see biblically that fasting can go with that. That we could hear what God is speaking. I told you before, I have a friend who tells me that whenever he fasts, he always brushes his teeth because he feels like God's that close to him. Another reason for fasting is confession and repentance. I'll just give you a couple. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Samuel 7, 6. Nehemiah 1, 4. All of these are, are moments of fasting with repentance. As they have fallen. There's a prayer of and fasting for protection. I just mentioned to you Ezra 8. Ezra 8, they were seeking this protection because they didn't want to ask these kings for protection because they had talked about who their God was. And so they asked for protection and they fasted for the Lord. Fasted to the Lord and prayed. There's a fast for fighting temptation. Jesus is fasting in the desert and praying. And in doing this, the enemy comes and, and, and Jesus, not only in fasting, but, but with the word of God, comes against the temptation. But I'll give you one more. In Scripture, I see fasting with worship. How many of y'all remember Anna in the New Testament when she saw the Christ? But this is what it said she was doing. She never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. Church, fasting is not just simply something that, that you know, only the super spiritual do. It's not something that, that we just need to push aside because we don't know enough about. Fasting is something that needs to be part of our spiritual discipline for the purpose of godliness. For us to grow and be strengthened. Today we look at two particular disciplines. The discipline of prayer and the discipline of fasting. 
We have one more week in our prayer and fasting, and I specifically asked that one of the things that you would be praying for is God to give guidance and direction to the staff, to our land team over the master plan and direction for the property. Church, now that you see biblically that we're called to pray without ceasing, now that you see that it's not just if, but when you fast, would you join in with us in this last week of prayer and fasting if you haven't already? Asking the Lord to give that guidance and direction. But I want to remind you as I close that all of this is for the purpose of godliness. We're truly seeking the Lord. We're laying our life before Him. We're putting ourselves in a position for growth. And the blessing is, is that the gift of God is growth. That He will give that growth and that understanding and that wisdom as we seek His face. But will we be persistent as we see in Luke 11? Will we make sure that it's not our will but God's will? Will we say, Lord, we're going to follow you no matter the cost? You know, as I close today, I do say to you that oftentimes when you hear spiritual disciplines, the enemy, and I told you this last week as I close, and I say it again this week, the enemy will often say to you, oh, you're a failure. When was the last time you fasted? The enemy will say to you, when was the last time that you prayed more than just about yourself? When these come your way, remember there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction in our heart for us to repent and for us to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. But the Holy Spirit's not there beating you up and telling you how terrible of a person you are. Actually, the Holy Spirit's telling you you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that I, the Holy Spirit will do this in and through you if you will simply discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So church, would you join with me as we discipline ourselves in the word, in prayer, and in fasting?